Hi guys, welcome to the show. Just want to catch you beforehand to tell you that you can follow us on ICGAW on Twitter. That's I-C-G-A-W on Twitter. And email us your questions to discuss on the pod at ICGAWpod. That's I-C-G-A-W-P-O-D at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you drop us a five-star review, subscribe, and tell your friends to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoy the show. All right, let's go. Welcome to It Can't Get Any Worse, America's Worst Podcast for America's Worst Hockey Team. I'm your host, Jay, and on today's show, we're going to be reviewing the Sabres fixtures against the Colorado Avalanche and the start of their West Coast adventures against the Arizona Coyotes and the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll also take a quick look to the tail end of their West Coast trip against the Sharks, Kings, and Ducks, and we'll end today's show by talking about what's going on down the road in Rochester, around town in the league, and addressing a few questions from your fellow listeners. We're starting right off with our last game of that four opening fixtures, and this one was against the Colorado Avalanche. A um, couple updates for the lineup for this one is that Johan Larson returned from injury to replace uh, Remy Eli in this game. Unfortunately, it really wasn't a result to, uh, to remember. Um, well, easily into the first period, uh, the Sabres were down 2-0 to, th- uh, to two different power play goals from Tyson Berry and Colin Wilson. That second one from Colin Wilson was a little bit lucky. A ricocheted shot fell to him right in the slot. But a couple minutes later, Soderberg ends up all alone in front, gets in front of uh, Hutton and is able to roof it. 3 nothing down after the first. Um, probably the lowest point of the... Uh, first period was that the Sabres had a pretty long five on three and just weren't able to capitalize at all. They did score at the end of a power play. Acaposa was crashing the net, but it was called back for goalie interference. And I do want to chat about this one really quickly just because it's I'm a little disappointed that the NHL didn't go back to the drawing board related to goalie interference after so many con not I don't want to call it a controversy. There were there were no major blown games, but there were many games that ended on goals that were still questionable. And I I look to the NFL, who look, no one I think loves the catch rule that they've instituted, but there's at least a rule, and the average American viewer who knows the rule can watch that play or watch a catch and determine whether or not it's going to be ruled a catch or not. You can tell whether it's um, having two feet inside the end zone, whether it's whether or not the ball moves when it makes contact with the ground, whether it's whether or not the player has made a football move, whether or not you agree with those rules and whether or not they should be considered a catch, at least they are defined. We're still at a point for where the last couple of years... You could look at this Akposo goalie interference call 
and it could still go either way. And there's no definitive reasoning given for why the decisions are made. Something that's been bothering me, I thought for sure they would go to the uh, go to work this summer and fix it. The NHL is still dragging a little bit behind on this one. I'm, I'm not too upset about it. It's the Sabers did not deserve this goal. They didn't deserve to be to, to reduce the deficit. They deserve to be three nothing at the end of the period. But I'm questioning why the NHL did not commit more time to this. Um, Sabres were largely better in the second. Early on, Middlestat had a great move coming in, and he rang the crossbar. Um, Shortly afterwards, he was absolutely uh, rocked by Zadarov in a boarding penalty. But, of course, the Sabres didn't capitalize on that. A couple minutes right after that, though, Bolio Bolio, Bolio wrists one from the point. It dribbled through, and that's actually on the assist. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin's first NHL point. He was working on the boards, pops it out to Beaulieu, who um, puts it right on the net. Um, The Avs immediately answered through a forecheck and uh, Nathan McKinnon. Scandella's clearance kind of appeared to clip the ref, um, and McKinnon scores. And up to that point, McKinnon had scored in every game Colorado um, had played. So, Obviously, giving him those kind of opportunities isn't something you were looking to do. Unfortunately, the ref is the one who handed it to them, but unlucky bounce, it happens. And unfortunately for Buffalo Sabres fans, that was kind of the end of things for the Sabres on the effort front. Um, a lifeless third period saw the Sabres reach 0 for 7 on the power play. They were offsides a ton of times in one single power play. And they basically quit with a few minutes left. Uh, the Just a complete lapse of defending allowed two breakaway goals. One from Kerfoot and another from McKinnon, his second of the game. He made it 6-1 with just a really classy lift right over Hutton. It was almost like a soccer player chipping a goalie. And the, the place was kind of empty. And so you, you could hear one very irate fan just screaming, where was he shooting it? Where was he shooting it over and over again over the broadcast? Um, I mean, if you're if you're trying to to find a, a funny point here, I guess that could have been one. But really, this game just served to prove that this this team has a long way to go. I think the fan base and the organization were in the midst of celebrating being over 500 for the first time since 2013. And unfortunately, as Buffalo fans, that's something that we <laughs> we have occasion to celebrate now. Um, but this was a just clear reminder um, that this team has just an incredibly long way to go. I do think the scoreline was a little cruel. They were a little bit better than 6-1 in this game. And again, some some ricochets fell to players. Uh, the, the ref got hit by a clearance shortly before um, one of McKinnon's goals. Like Some of it was bounces. Some of it was style of play and a lot of similar issues that we're gonna um, we're gonna see again in that Vegas game when we talk about that in a second. Sabres then went on a road trip and um, interestingly enough Johan Larson after a pretty woeful performance with the rest of the team against the Avalanche is straight back out of the lineup. Sabatka returns and Linus Allmark is handed his first start of the season and this was a pretty um, pretty physical game, especially early on. Um, Coyotes are a team that are also trying to just dig their way back out from being around the bottom of the standings for the the last 
decade. Um, and we did see some uh, pretty pretty good play from Darlene through most of this game. He started a play through the neutral zone and found Skinner, who went down the left-hand side and just totally sold anti-Ranta, um, but he couldn't quite put it in. And Darlene, who was crashing the net, taps it in for his first NHL goal. And it was first point for Skinner for the season. And we, we talked to him about him last week that he was having kind of a rough go to start the season. He was making a lot of plays similar to this one, but things just weren't going in for him. And I was wondering, um, I wonder if that point is just exactly what he needs. Maybe he just needs something to fall for him. And as, um, as we'll see later in the game, maybe that is something that contributed to helping him out a little bit. Um, something that was kind of interesting is that there was definitely a bit of a lineup shift at one point where for a good chunk of the first period, it looked like Sabatka was sneaking onto the line with Eichel and Sam with Sherry on the third line with Berglund and Thompson. I'm not sure if they're trying to just spread the wealth there. It was the only time that I noticed it, but there was a little bit of an experiment going on that definitely stopped after the first, um... Linus Allmark, we have to talk about, was largely outstanding in this game. He did finish with the shutout, um, but it was, I don't know that you can necessarily say it was it was his shutout. Um, I think it was in general, despite the number of shots faced, just a really good, hardworking um, defensive performance. There were several instances where Allmark made the save, but then was hung out on a juicy rebound and then was bailed out by someone like McCabe, um, back checking and getting in the way, lifting sticks to stop a, a rebound from going in. Um, late in the first, Connor Sherry steps up on the power play and gets into the zone. Eichel to Reinhardt under the goal for Sherry to the far side of the post. Sabres are the first team to score against the Coyotes penalty kill this season. They were previously seven for seven. Now 7 for 8, 2 nothing at the end of the first. It wasn't anything fancy, but it was pretty hardworking and efficient. Um, in that intermission, the Sabres broadcast played Drafting Darlene, which I would highly recommend. It was a pretty, pretty moving and emotional video and just kind of reasserted just everything that we've loved about, about Darlene with how humble he is, his family-oriented background, just absolutely wonderful person, as we know. Videos on YouTube, I would highly recommend you check it out. Second period, there wasn't too much to talk about other than the fact that the Sabres were fairly incapable of playing for the last seven minutes or so. And it looked like this was a team that was just totally exhausted. Um, I think maybe we might have to point a few fingers at uh, Phil Housley for this one. I am sure that after that avalanche game, he set them to work. And I'm wondering if fatigue played a part as a result of, of a, a strenuous practice the, the, the day, days before. Um, in the third, Jeff Skinner gets his first goal of the season. He picked up a flip from wrist line and over the line. And similar to before, he sells anti-Ranta um, just like the goal, uh, the, his assist from the first period. Early in the game, he went left and then couldn't quite sneak it back around the post for Darlene to finish. This time, he goes right and just lifts it right over the goaltender. 3-0, excellent goal. And ultimately, it was a pretty well-played 
game. Darlene gets his first NHL goal. Linus Allmark gets his first NHL shutout, facing 36 shots. Skinner gets his first goal as a Sabre. It was just hard-fought, well-played way to start the West Coast trip. It was a little concerning to watch the Sabres get outshot by a team like Arizona, 36-23. to But it also does feel good to see them come out winners from a situation like that. I mean, just a definite positive is that the Sabres were able to get up to a two-goal lead early in the game and hold it for most of the game. And I don't know that Sabres of the last few seasons would have been able to successfully do that, even in a place like Arizona. So... Good result. Sabres go back over 500 for this season, and they take that into their game against the Golden Knights. And there were there were a few different moments or a few different items to discuss going into this game. First of all, I mean, they were trying to go 2-0 against the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time in the Knights franchise history, which great. Um, but other things like uh, it was Berglund's 700th NHL game, and news that unfortunately the Golden Knights were going to be um, without center Paul Statsny and that he's going to be out for two to three months with a knee injury that he actually sustained in the Sabres home fixture against the Knights. Um, I don't remember him going out in that game, so I can't remember that it was a particularly contact-focused foc- injury. Um, but unfortunately, it's just a pretty negative aspect of news for the Knights considering he's one of their their major free agent acquisitions of the summer he's their one of their probably their top line center um and with especially with the slow start to the season that William Carlson has been having I think they were really looking for Statsney to step up and fill that hole fortunately they're going to be missing him for a few months other good news um for the Sabres this game at least is that uh, Bogosian made his debut for the season, and he made his presence known pretty early and throughout most of the game with some pretty solid hits, which is good to see. Um, I think if he's throwing his weight around like that um, consistently and regularly, seems to be a sign that he's just um, he's healthy. He looks he looked good. He skated well. Unfortunately, it wasn't probably the result he was looking for, as we'll discuss, but he looked pretty good, and hopefully this is the end of just a long, long stretch of injuries for him. Um, Unfortunately, the Sabres started this one off just looking a little bit out of sync, and they never really recovered. There were all kinds of issues where um, Hutton, who's been really good at playing things out of the back, was really struggling to make connections. He was leaving layoffs for defenders who weren't picking them up. Defenders looked like they were expecting layoffs from him and they weren't picking them up. He was still able to bail them out um, in the opening minutes a few times when a couple mistakes were made, but defensively, offensively, goalie, it just looked out of sync for the first couple of minutes. And nine minutes in, Shea Theodore just breezed past Sam Reinhart and then pulled Rasmus Dahlin all over the place, inside it out, and flipped it past Hutton. And the Sabres challenged for offside, and it was overturned. Riley Smith was offside on the other side of the ice, which is really just, it's just lucky for the Sabres because Riley Smith had nothing to do with that play, but the goal gets called back anyway, and it was just a bit of a a warning shot for you would hope that the Sabres would have woken up after this, but unfortunately kind of continued in the same way. Vegas was creating a lot of chances in transition. Buffalo got a power play. It came to absolutely nothing. And the Knights just 
poured it on for a couple minutes. And then um, Scandella got called for a holding call late in the first. And a few seconds in, everybody followed William Carlson into the corner. And, well, I'm sorry, everybody but Berglund, and that's important. Um, everybody but Berglund follows William Carlson into the corner. He flips it to Marsha Show right out in front, who gets his second against the Sabres this season. And he was all alone out in front because Berglund, after totally lost him, just fell over, tried to catch up and recover, and unfortunately doesn't get to his man, one nothing. And it stayed one nothing until the end of the first, but the Sabres were outshot 12 to 5 and I have to tell you I have nothing to say about those five shots. I don't I don't remember them at all. There were really no genuine scoring chances in the first and the second didn't start off any better. Um, on the power play, Sam Reinhart tried to get a little too cute in the neutral zone and Cody Aiken picks it up off him, goes straight the other way, gets his third goal in four games for him. Um, um shorthanded and They weren't without chances this period. Late in the second, Skinner gets one right out in front. Fleury makes the save. Um, Pominville had one where he just rang the bell and put a slap shot right into Fleury's face. They had their chances, but neither of them went in. um, And no real other chances of memorable that I can of chances of memory that I can remember chances of memory that I can remember. That's a statement that makes sense. We're moving on. Third period was better. 11-6 in favor of Buffalo in shots, um, but unfortunately, scoring is still in favor of Vegas. Um, Out in front, Marcia's show to Carlson. Carlson puts his stick on the ground, gets a deflection, and gets his first of the season. He's off the mark for the Vegas Golden Knights after signing his new contract this summer. Very late in the game, uh, the Sabres did get a power play goal. Sabatka was crashing the net and taps one in with 30 seconds remaining. Vegas did challenge it for um, goaltender interference, but they determined that even though Sabatka just clobbered Flurry, that the puck was already headed into the goal before they made contact. So with about 25 seconds left, Sabres reduced the deficit to two goals. But Vegas adds the empty netter about six seconds later. Game ends 4-1, and the Sabres go 0-6 on the power play and move back to 3-3 on the season and 1-1 for the West Coast trip. A couple players definitely showing some positive moves, but quite a few more showing some negatives, as we'll chat about. We've got two players pegged for um, stock up over these last three games. Um, And the two that I have pegged are Jeff Skinner and Rasmus Dahlin, both getting their first points and first goals for the season. Um, Skinner, his first as a Sabre. Dahlin, his first in the NHL. And uh, two just solid performances. Jeff Skinner, as we said, he's looked good. It just wasn't falling for him. And it was an unfortunate start for him where he started on that top line and it just totally didn't work out. And it must have been tough for him to be, A, move to that second line, and then, B, see Connor Sherry really start to capitalize on that top line and in that top power play unit that Skinner had been moved out of. So good on him. He looked pretty good, especially in that Coyotes game, but also in flashes again in that uh, Colorado game. Um, so good for him. Things are still going well for him. Dahlin, all right, he's gotten turned inside out a few times defensively, but he's looked 
very impressive on the offensive end. That's not news, um, but you can just you can tell that he's steadily growing and steadily learning. He's getting a tad bit more ice time um, as the season has progressed over the last couple of games, um, and so things are things have been going well for him the last couple of games. I do have three players pegged for stock going down a little bit, and the first one is a bit of a minor one. Um, not quite as significant as the second player we're going to talk about in a second, but I have Marco Scandella pegged here, and um, it's just we're watching him get burned for speed down that left-hand side multiple times a game, um, and thankfully very few of them have led to goals. Hutton or Allmark have been able to um, bail him out a couple times, but um, I'm a little worried about him um, going forward, especially with the rest of the left-hand decor that we have available. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending a massive shakeup. I quite like watching McCabe play next to Darlene. I think that's a good pairing. I really don't want to see Nathan Beaulieu get top-line minutes, but Scandella's really lack of speed is maybe going to start hurting this team a little more throughout the season, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about what things are going to look like going forward. He he has a role in this team. I like Scandella, the person. I like Scandella, the player. I don't love Marco Scandella, the top line defenseman. Um, the good news in this regard is that I'm, I'm looking down at the AHL with how he's played over the last couple of games, of course, at Lawrence Pilot. Um, after the first game of the season, we we got it in uh, got into it on Twitter with a a few guys who really I think wanted to see Pilot called up immediately, despite the fact that his his defensive lapses were pretty horrendous. Um, but he is showing some really impressive play. He is appearing to be more of like your modern day, very steady, very offensively tuned two way defenseman. Um, He's very sound. He's able to move up and down the ice. He plays a great puck from back to front, and he's got eight assists in six games. Um, I am wondering if by the end of the season we don't see him in the NHL and we possibly see him as a complementing partner to Rasmus Ristolainen. It's not going to happen right now. I don't think there's any kind of immediacy factor in that item, but Marco Scandella has been struggling a little bit. The whole team has been struggling a little bit. Like when when the Sabres lose, they lose big, and you can point fingers at a lot of different players. But he's one that I'm just noticing time and time again. He's kind of on the wrong end of a few different plays. While Scandella is kind of a minor one that we'll just keep our eye on, Patrick Berglund is really struggling these last couple of games. And we we mentioned that power play goal against Vegas where he was almost, you thought, directly at fault for what had gone on. Like, that guy's alone in front. That's your man. That's your job. You're supposed to be tying it up there. But just in general, not just that goal. He has looked totally off the pace since the um, start of this season, which is which is kind of unfortunate. Um, beginning of the season, he was that second-line center, and in preseason, he had totally 100% earned that role. He looked great. He looked like he was with the play. He was scoring a couple goals. He was adding a couple assists, and he, he looked like a bona fide NHL center. Um, and while Casey Middlestat was kind of struggling in his first few NHL outings of the season— Berglund looks all right, and then it was almost like the season started and you you flipped a switch, and I'm wondering now as I'm watching 
um, Berglund struggle so much, I'm now looking at like, man, I kind of feel bad that Jeff Skinner, starting off his career with the Buffalo Sabres, had to play with Berglund for this long. Um, he's slow. He doesn't keep up with play. He's not linking up well. And, I mean, we, we had already seen him drop out of that second line and down the roster. And today, and specifically yesterday, we got the inklings that he was dropping out of the lineup altogether. Um, practice lines today, um, and in Housley's press conference, we were informed, informed that uh, Berglund is going to be a healthy scratch for this first game. Um, not first game, third game of the West Coast trip. Um Housley did come out and say that it, you know we just we have a lot of extra players. There are a lot of games in quick succession. We're just trying to keep everybody healthy. But it's pretty. Um, I don't know that it would necessarily be coincidental that Berglund's struggles have coincided with him dropping out of the lineup entirely. Um, Remy Eli will play tonight against the San Jose Sharks. So two players, one who we're minorly worried about. One whose struggles have definitely manifested in a slightly more serious lineup change. And then I have a third party that whose stock is down a little bit, um, who's not actually a character on the ice, but he was someone that in our, in our season preview we identified as someone who was kind of on the hot seat uh, going into this season, and it's Phil Housley. And I, I have some question marks, and I'm quite concerned about the stop-start notion of this team. Look, our wins, when the Sabres win, are hard-fought and worthy of celebration. The defeats are landslides. And I don't know that the morale of this team, even if you get those hard-fought and laudable victories, I worry about the morale of this team and this fan base if in between those hard-fought victories... There are just blowouts. I'm, I'm wondering if this team is maybe starting to generate um, a practice or a mindset of just downing tools when things don't go their way. I mean, look at the victories that we've had so far this season. The Sabres got off for the lead. The Sabres have not come back in a game yet this season, to my knowledge. And so I'm a, I'm a little worried about the team's ability to stay in games going forward. Um, Sabres let one in. It seems like the floodgates open. Now, look, we're still at 500 going into tonight's game, and that's still an improvement on any season that the Sabres have started the last five seasons. But some of the Housley grumblers who are um, a little less happy with how the last couple seasons have gone, and specifically how last season gone, last season gone, how last season went with him, um, they're starting to come out, and they might get louder if this defense doesn't start sorting itself out or if the results don't start shaping up I'm a little worried for Housley um, we said in our preview that if if Phil Housley were named Phil Smith and didn't have any sort of affiliation with the Sabres prior to his coaching I don't know that he would have a job this year I don't know that a 31st place coach naturally keeps a job in the NHL going into the next season so we're a little worried about Phil Housley so far, just that the team hasn't exactly hit the ground running. It's kind of been a little more stumbly. And while it's an improvement, it's not exactly something to, to write home about that they're, you know, they're, they're winning a couple close games, winning a couple games comfortably, but then getting blown out by six and seven goals in multiple games this season. Something to keep an eye on for sure. So 
Skinner and Darlene, impressive. Scandella, Berglund, Housley, we're keeping an eye on them. I'm a little worried about it. That's it for part one. Join us in part two where we'll be talking about the next couple fixtures against the Sharks, Kings, and Ducks. We'll see you in a second. All right, welcome to part two, where we're going to be talking about the end of the West Coast trip for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, They have three outings against the Sharks, Kings, and Ducks, and we're a little late coming to you with this episode, and so the Sharks game is actually in about six hours as of recording. By the time you guys listen, I would imagine you'll already know the result of this one. Just to recap their summer, though, is that uh, they did sign our old pal Evander Kane to a 7-on-7 Um, and also traded for Eric Carlson, as we are all aware, for just a ransom of assets. They had a few other kind of notable off-season moments. Um, They were involved in that that Mike Hoffman shuffle where... uh, they they took the took the senators for one where they they offered the senators an opportunity to trade Mike Hoffman out of their division and they took him i think they dumped a bad contract in Michael Bodker the other way and then less than an hour later traded Mike Hoffman back into the senators division to Florida for for another ransom of assets um so not a player that they ended up with, but something that was just kind of funny um, on the Sharks. And one thing that we did talk about with uh, Thornton um, and the Sharks last week is that they were in the Taveras hunt this summer, and unfortunately for them, they didn't get him. So they, they brought back Thornton on kind of a, a plan B um, deal, and he has been struggling with a knee injury for the opening parts of the season. He is declared day-to-day um, as of right now, and I, I have not found any news to say like whether or not he's going to play tonight. We will see if he'll make it for tonight's game. Um, Logan Couture also hurt his hand in practice this week. His status is a little bit up in the air as well. In general, the Sharks are just kind of struggling a little bit they weren't clicking early on remember they had that shutout for nothing to the islanders and robin laner they responded with an 8-2 blowout victory over the flyers and then they then lost three to two in two straight games against the rangers and devils so i'm not sure how to rate them this season at this time i think they were someone that after the addition of uh, eric carlson this summer, signing a guy like Evander Kane. All right, Thornton was your plan B, but he's he's still a great player, even at a billion years old. Um, I think y- you pegged them down for a Stanley Cup contender, and they just haven't gotten out of the gate very quickly. I know their power play has struggled a bit. They went several games without scoring their first power play goal. They're off the mark in that regard, but it just they're struggling to, to make it click. I think they're a team that we could see blossom later in the season, once some of these new pieces just learn to, to click a little a little better together. Um, in general, I think this is a rough time for the Sabres to be coming to town for San Jose. They've lost two straight, um, and we might be looking at a Sharks team that kind of has a little bit to prove. It'll be an interesting game. Um, it's a 10-30 game, so I know that 90% of Buffalo is not going to be turning to the TV for some, if not all, of this. Um, so... We'll, we'll probably catch the highlights on that one tomorrow. 
After that, they do play a watchable game on Saturday, 3.30 against the Kings. And the Kings will come into this one having lost two out of their last three. And their last victory was over the Canadians. But by the time the puck drops for this game on Saturday, that win against the Canadians will be almost two weeks ago. And so, again, we might be facing a team that has a little bit of something to prove. They had a pretty exciting offseason as well in that when facing the idea of losing Drew Doughty, they signed him to a seven-year contract, $11 million per year. Um, and they also signed Ilya Kovalchuk to 6.25 for three years. If you remember, he's been hanging out in the KHL for a couple of years and this was just an interesting move because Kovalchuk, look, he's he's a great player, but he's also 35. And we're looking at a Kings team that is still riding a pretty old core from when they were very good about five or six years ago. And in a league that is getting younger and faster and more skilled, they're leaning on an old core and then they add an asset who's 35. Just a little bit of a question mark raised on that one that the, the, the Kings were almost a team that I, I'm wondering after they were, they were a little bit embarrassed in the playoffs last season. Like you were wondering if they were going to push the blow up button and rather than blown it up, it's more of like they put the dynamite away and tried, tried to hang out just a little bit longer. Um, I did catch a game that they were in earlier this week. I watched them, play in Toronto. And now granted, this is Toronto who have a wealth of attacking assets who are that young, fast team that I I think a lot of teams are trying to be. And we were questioning why the Kings aren't. Um, But the Kings just looked slow and devoid of ideas. They didn't look toothless. They had their opportunities, but it's just, you're looking at a team that I think if, if they were in a better division, I think they'd be in a lot more trouble than they are right now. Something that's kind of interesting is that despite a team that has Kovalchuk, Kopitar, Dowdy, um, they're 0 for 21 on the power play to start this season. And so hopefully the Sabres are not the first victim on the season, and hopefully they can hold that out. Sabres PK has been okay so far. Um, it would stink to be to be the first one of that. I don't think we're going to see Kings starting goalie Jonathan Quick. He is injured at the moment. He sustained a lower body injury last week. He's declared week to week, um, so I don't think we're going to be seeing him on Saturday at this time. Sabres close their West Coast trip the next day on Sunday at 8 p.m. against the Ducks. And unfortunately for the Ducks, the big news regarding them is that Corey Perry is in the midst of rehabbing from a knee surgery. Um, He aggravated an MCL injury and is going to be out for five months. Kessler is also up there and also a little banged up. It looks like he's going to play in this game, but the narrative seems to be that he's been hobbling on a couple different injuries um, for the last couple of weeks. Looking around the division, the Ducks, I think, have a little bit of a reason to be worried. I mean, you look at the Sharks added Evander Kane and Eric Carlson. The Kings added Kovalchuk. The Vegas Golden Knights added Pacioretty and Paul Statsny. And you look at the Ducks and you think, well, they didn't really add anybody of significance. And you're wondering, like, maybe it's not their year. But 
Then you look at the standings, and they're top of the division after six games with all of those teams that added all of those parts, the Sharks, the Kings, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, all struggling right out of the gate. So you got to think just like who knows what the Ducks are capable of this year. They're an older core of offensive offensemen that's supplemented with some good young talent. They have a great decor with Cam Fowler and Hampus Lindholm. They have a solid goaltender in John Gibson. Um, I think the one thing that they just really don't have is like that wow player. Their goals over the last few seasons are spread between a lot of different players, which is always pretty good, but they don't have that awesome world-class player who's going to be the difference in a big game or win a game that doesn't look like it has a winner in it. And so I think while the Ducks have been impressive out of the gate and they've still got the same core that they've had for a couple of years, and while that core is pretty impressive and maybe will even get better if they get a couple guys back from injury, I'm worried about the Ducks going into the rest of this season. We'll see what they look like against the Sabres. Even though they're top of the division right now, I I think you're looking at a a sleeping beast in the Sharks, and I think you're looking at like a sleeping mini beast in Vegas this season who are going to come roaring back once they work out a few kinks and get a couple players back from injury, respectively. Um, So we'll be an interesting game. After that, the Sabres will come home. They'll have a few days off, and they'll play the following Thursday against the Montreal Canadiens. But those are our three previews. Moving on to down the road, the Amherst are on just a great streak. They responded to losing their two um, home opening games against the Checkers by winning four straight. Uh, One at home to the Crunch, two away to the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, and one last night against the Utica Comets. Um, Victor Olofsson's on a tear at the moment. He's had decisive game-winning goals against uh, the Sound Tigers in both games. He scored one of them shorthanded, one of them in overtime. He had a great blast that I actually had um, an awesome angle on sitting in my seat in Rochester on the power play. He then had a four-point night last night against the, oh my gosh, I blanked on their game again, the Utica Comets. And all of a sudden, after kind of having a flat start to the season in his first two games, he has 12 points in the opening six games, which is good for top of the AHL point standings. And he was awarded the AHL Player of the Week, and that was before last night's game against Utica. Um, He's shown a lot of different aspects of his game as well that I don't think we knew about from any of the highlight videos we were watching and talking about over the summer or any of his play in preseason. He's got some speed that, um, especially in his shorthanded win against, um, who was it, Bridgeport, um, you watch that highlight and you watch him just blow by a defender shorthanded and then roof it with a backhand. Um, Chris Taylor came out and said that he, he doesn't think we've even scratched the surface of what Victor Olofsson is capable of. He can use his pace to change a game, and he he has an NHL-ready release. Um, Whether everything else is necessarily NHL-ready at this point, I I think we want to see him continue to do this for a stretch of time and show that it's not a flash in the pan, but 
pretty impressive start from Victor Olofsson after, I mean, two games for the whole team to forget. He is just lighting it up. I mean, you think 12 points in six games, but he didn't have any of those points in the first two. So really, you're talking about 12 points in four games. Impressive start for him. Um, also, strong performances from Pilot, who we talked about. He's turning into a very solid two-way defenseman. He played a great back-to-front assist um, for Victor Olofsson on one of those goals that he scored against Utica. C.J. Smith is also off to another strong start for last season. We're hoping that he can do the same um, as last season and then stay healthy. Unfortunately, if you remember last year, he got off to a tear culminated in an AHL all-star game appearance, got injured, and never found his feet again. So hopefully this is something that he can keep up as well. If those three, Olofsson, Pilot, and Smith, continue the way that they're playing, I would not be surprised if they are the first names on a call-up if there's an eventual roster shakeup. Um, you'll want to know about Alex Nylander, and the good news is, is that he has gotten off the mark with a goal after struggling to find the net for the first few games. I I gotta say, I I don't think we're gonna see him anytime soon. Um, Smith and Olofsson are really cementing themselves as just the top line winger status. Um, And they've established themselves as front runners for that first call up. And I don't think Nylander is, is near that list. Offensively, looking okay in flashes, but same old adage about him. There are all kinds of defensive issues, giveaways in the defensive end. Um, he just he just got still got stuff to work on, and it's it's not a bad thing. He's 20 years old, but he's not NHL ready at this point. I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. Brendan Gooley's kind of the same boat. Um, hasn't really gotten off the ground so far, and with Tennyson. Um, not Tennyson, sorry, with um, Tennyson's the next guy I'm going to talk about, with Lawrence Pilot off to a good start. I, I think he's jumped over Gooley as the, the first defensive call-up of the season if there's going to be one anytime soon. Um, so keeping an eye on them. It's a long season, but the two guys that I think people were most upset about being sent down in Nylander and Gooley are kind of probably not going to be the first two to come up either. And I think when that happens, if that happens, it'll be the right decision to leave them down. Um, Tennyson was the guy who I just randomly mentioned a second ago. He has officially been sent down after Bogosian was activated. And then I got to be honest, I don't know if this is Amherst news um, because I don't know where he's going. But this week, Sabres did sign um, Picard. He was their 2018 fourth round pick to an entry-level contract, and he was kind of the talk of prospects camp, if you remember, for that feistiness. He uh, laid a little hit at one point only for Darlene to just lay him out in the middle of a drill, and then he was also that guy who was really picking like a borderline fight with Casey Middlestat in the prospects tournament. He's off to just a great start in the OHL. He's got 11 points in 10 games this season. Um... They signed him to the entry-level contract, but it sounds like he is going back to the OHL. I'm not entirely certain why they've signed him at this time, but it doesn't seem like he's reporting to Rochester or the ECHL, um, or definitely not the NHL. I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon, but they have signed him to that entry-level contract um, and gotten pen to paper on that one. The... Amherst play tomorrow night, Friday, against the uh, Toronto Marlies. 
and defending Calder Cup champions will be an interesting game because remember they are without those two kind of starting caliber goalies who got picked up on waivers that we talked about last week. They're also off to a rough start this season, um, so it should be a very interesting game with uh, the Amerks who are you know flying on four straight and the Marlies who are struggling a little bit. And then on Saturday, the Sabres will travel to play the Belleville Senators. Moving on to around town, talking about news going down around the NHL. And the first bit of business is that Panthers defender Mike Matheson has been suspended two games for his hit on Vancouver Canucks' Elias Pettersson. And really, he, he wasn't suspended for the hit but he was suspended for what happened after his hit in which he picked up the the young Vancouver offenseman and threw him to the ground. Pedersen was diagnosed with a concussion. Um, I don't know his immediate timeline for return and how long that's going to be taken, um, taking him out, but he had been off to a just outstanding start to his young professional career, was really making himself the darling face of uh, hopefully... Um, redeveloping and rebuilding Vancouver team that's going to be coming from the bottom. Um, and there, there's there's a lot of ire about this situation that Matheson has now t- taken him out of the game for a certain period of time. But still, despite the fact that, that that's an unfortunate circumstance of this, there are folks who have found the two-game suspension absurd on both sides. There are folks who have argued um, really... Um, diehard conservatives of the game who want to see that physical game, want to see a game that polices itself, who think it's absurd that Pedersen was suspended for a, a hit where years ago, maybe 10 years ago or a little more, it might not have even have been a penalty. Um, there are those arguing that way, and there are those who argue that this suspension is not nearly enough. Um, you took a young player out of the game for a certain period of time. It was a deliberate intent to hurt another player, and there are those who are arguing that two games isn't enough. Um, I don't necessarily know where I fall on this side of things. I mean, I I don't want to see us go back to the old NHL, um, and I don't want to see us embracing concussions in the league. but I also just have questions for the NHL about where the two games came from. Um, it's clear that the NHL doesn't want a league that polices itself. And by that, I mean they don't want players policing the league. Uh, back in the day, if this had happened, Matheson would have been murdered by another player on the ice. That didn't happen. And if the NHL doesn't want that to happen. But if you don't want that to happen, two games doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Two games doesn't stop this from happening again, and it doesn't satisfy the Canucks, who are now missing their most exciting young player. If you want to stop fighting on the ice, and you want to stop players from policing the game themselves, you've got to throw the book at this one, and they didn't. This was a really sheepish addressing of this issue, and I'm curious to see what will happen the next time that um, a young player gets clocked out there because gone are the days where you put out your fourth line of enforcers when things went wrong um, to go solve the issues that had been going on on the ice. The NHL wants to handle this now, and now that they're handling it, we're seeing that maybe they're a little sheepish in their style of handling it. Handling it. Um, I, I kind of want to just keep 
picking on them a little bit because this is another issue that they have not gotten in front of. They didn't solve the goalie interference issues this summer. They have not established a rule or protocol for the hits that Tom Wilson was laying. When he did it in the playoffs, he got three games. Where did those three games come from? There's no written statute related to that. When he did it in the preseason, he got 20 games. Where did those 20 games come from? There's no written statute for that. Mike Matheson does this. I think it's something that the NHL wanted to suspend, wants to stamp out of the game. He gets two games. Where did the two games come from? There is no written protocol for this um, establishing what, what what's fair, what's not. And if the two games is something that's written down and is a protocol, it's not enough to stop this from occurring. Because I can tell you that Mike Matheson's not a big guy in old school NHL. He's not doing what he did to Elias Pettersson. He would have been murdered. And I'm a little worried that the NHL isn't going to take care of this with this current policy. Um, Moving on to something a a little more upbeat. Uh, Corey Crawford of the Chicago Blackhawks was activated this week and is expected to start Thursday. That's tonight, by the way. And he's been out for almost 10 months with concussion symptoms. And it's it got so dire that there were rumors as recently as a few months ago that due to issues with vertigo that he might have to retire. So this has been a kind of a rapid recovery from that state, but certainly a long recovery from when he was first taken out. And I'm just glad to see that he's going to be able to try to suit up. Hopefully he can get back to his best. We saw last year what missing a world-class goaltender can do for a team um, outside of a number of other issues. I mean, goalies like that can mask issues like that. Look, Just look at what the Canadians have been able to do with Carey Price at the back end of a subpar team over the last couple of seasons. Um, so it's good to see him back out there. Hopefully we get to watch some strong performances from him in the future. Ending on a bit of a, a lower note, um, new league darling Brady Kachuk is going to be signed for for about a month um, with some leg ligament issues. He had three goals and three assists in four games for the Senators to start the season, and it was just just kind of unfortunate because the, the Senators had one bright spot to the season, and it's gone. Um, so looking to, to see him back sometime in the near future. Wish him a speedy recovery before we get there. Um, mailbag. We actually have two questions coming from our friend on Twitter, Pat Pruder Patrick. Um, and he has two questions. First question is, have we seen enough from Reinhardt to warrant a longer term extension? And I'm gonna come right out here and provide maybe a controversial response and say no, um, for a couple different reasons. Number one, I think this Reinhardt deal is too good as is, um, and it's not worth signing him right now. Um, number two, he only has three assists in six games, and while he's looked good, um, he was also kind of directly responsible for at least one goal last night. Um, we haven't seen the breaknet scoring pace that he ended last year with. And if the Sabres hand him a contract to pay him for pace like that and he never gets to it, 
will regret it for years. It looks like he's kind of off to one of those slightly slower starts compared to last season. He looks good, but the numbers are not there. If he fires later in the season, there are two options. Number one is sign him, um, and obviously that would be great because we get a good player, um, but it would suck a little bit because it would probably cost a lot. Um, but I think I'd rather know for sure that that's the player that the Sabres are getting than pay for him and take the risk of not getting it. The other option, if he really takes off this season, and this is the controversial one, it might be a good idea to trade him. Um, if he's producing, his contract is awesome for a team that just needs an offensive complement. He's never going to be the guy on a team, but he's a great piece of what could be an effective team. And I don't really want to see him go because I love Sam Reinhardt, but the contract they signed him to, to be like that show me deal, the second year of that show me deal would be awesome for another team. It would be a really valuable asset if, if another team wanted it, and maybe it's something they can make a big deal on. I would rather this year, whether it's signing Sam Reinhart or trying to make a move to trade him in terms of contract extensions I would rather that the Sabres be totally focused in a conversation with Jeff Skinner this summer or this season they they have to know what his plans are and whether or not he plans to sign in Buffalo because you've you've got to either be making plans to make that extension or if he doesn't want the extension you've got to be making plans to to pitch him by the deadline and recoup what what you traded for him to get him for this year um i think he is the priority contract for this year um we've got two cheap years of sam reinhardt where two cheap years of sam reinhardt goes after that i'm i'm not entirely certain there are many different directions it could go in but right now You've got a good player on a cheap show-me deal. Let him show us. Other question that Pat asked is that after a strong performance from Hutton on a shutout, or not, sorry, strong performance from Allmark on a shutout, who should be the starting goaltender going forward? And I think it should still clearly be Hutton as the starter. The games that the Sabres have lost and the manner in which they've lost them have not been Hutton's fault. He has been out in teams that have not played well from back to front. He's been out in teams that have clearly given up in games like that game against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I think we need to be giving Linus opportunities where he can start small and be successful. I think many of us would have liked to see him start in that game against Vegas after he had his shutout against Arizona, but we're talking about two very different games against two very different teams. I mean, look look at the difference in atmosphere between Arizona and Vegas. It was probably somewhere in the number of 13,000 fans. I mean, it, it genuinely looked like there were more Buffalo fans in Arizona than Arizona fans. And while Linus had a great shutout in that game, he wouldn't have won us that Vegas game. That Vegas game, I mean, Hutton looked like he was a little bit all over the place, but that loss was not his fault in any capacity. And how would we be feeling now if Allmark had, all right, he had had his shutout, but then if he got blown out against Vegas? Right now, his stock is high, his confidence is high, 
if they keep putting Hutton out there for a majority of the games, they can target the occasion in which Allmark is going to play. They can give him the small numbers of games to start small and be successful. They can continue to work him in practice to prepare him for those situations. I don't know what the I'm sure they have a percentage in mind. I don't know exactly what it is, but say say the goal was was 65-35 Hutton to Allmark. I I think that's what you need to stay um, stay the course on at least for this season and maybe even into in next season. Like we've got Hutton on a cheap deal, and I think he's going to be here for a couple years. He's a great asset to the team. He's a great goaltender and has been quite exceptional, especially in the victories that the Sabres have had so far this season. Allmark's had one really great game in his one start this season. Long may it continue, but that one game I don't think warrants swapping the two positions. You you want Hutton, especially on a bad team, to be eating those bad games that are going to go downhill. Give Allmark those opportunities to stay successful. Um... Patrick, thank you so much for your questions. We'll see you out there in the Twitterverse. If you ever have questions for the show, we'd love to see you on Twitter. You can find us, follow us, and yell questions at us at ICGA on Twitter. That's I-C-G-A-W. You can also email us at ICGAPod at gmail.com. And that is about it for our show. Um, If you enjoyed hanging out with us, we would so appreciate it if you would pop by iTunes and subscribe and leave us a nice, handy five-star review. We'll be here with you next Wednesday to recap the end of our West Coast adventure and talk about what's coming up next as the Sabres look to take on the Montreal Canadiens and Columbus Blue Jackets. In the meantime, keep those heads up, Sabres fans. It might not get much better, but remember... It can't get any worse. We'll see you guys soon. Dick in to Oposo. Oposo hanging on to it back at the point. Oposo drops it off in the corner to Eichel. Eichel buzzing around. Eichel in the center lane. Score!